something, one of the most challenging parts of trying to prepare for the CELPIP exam is just how big it is. It feels like a monster. It feels like it's so big that maybe you don't know which end to grab it from. You don't know where to get started. It feels like there's so many things that you'll be tested on that it's hard to know what you can be doing to prepare. Does that ever feel like you? Like you're wanting to get started You know you need to get started. You know you have an immigration process that you need to go through that requires you to take this exam. But as you try to figure out how to get started studying, it totally feels overwhelming and you don't know what to do to start. That happened to me as I was trying to learn about the CELPIP exam. I think I've shared before that When I came to Canada back in 2015, and up till 2023, the start of this year, I had never heard of the CELPIP exam. And I was an English teacher for 16 years in Mexico. Never once in that time had I heard of an exam called the CELPIP. I've heard of the IELTS, and I've helped people prepare for that. I've heard of the TOEFL, and I've helped people prepare for that. But the CELPIP, never. And so when I started to learn about it, I too felt that sense of overwhelm, like, oh my gosh, this is such a big exam. How am I going to help a student get ready for it if I don't even know where I should start to look myself? It's pretty overwhelming. And today, if that's how you're feeling, if you're feeling overwhelmed, then I want you to sit back Take a deep breath, and let's talk about what you can be doing today to get started preparing for the CELPIP exam. The first thing that you should know about the CELPIP exam is that it is a test that measures your ability to use English in everyday situations. I'm going to say that again because it's really important that you hear this. The CELPIP exam is designed to measure your ability to use English in everyday situations. Everyday situations. That right there, my friends, is our first clue. It's your first clue as to what you can be doing to prepare yourself for this exam. It has to do with everyday English the things that go on around you on a daily basis. Now, there's a challenge to this. There are some things that, yes, it will take a little bit of more focused work to prepare. There'll be some skills that we're going to need to polish and work on. But for right now, all I want you to do is to think about this exam as a measure of how you interact and how you use English on an everyday basis. And so there's a challenge to this. What I mean by that is, if you're not engaging with English on a day-to-day basis, then you're going to find this exam to be super challenging and very difficult. I mean, it's difficult enough as it is. But if on a daily basis you aren't interacting with people who speak English, 
If you are not daily reading, if you're not daily listening, if you're not daily speaking in English, you're going to have a really hard time getting ready for this test. And I have friends who are in this boat. Somehow, even though they live here in Canada, they've managed to build around themselves a kind of bubble, a bubble in their first language. Many of my friends are from Latin America, so the bubble that they build around themselves is a bubble of Spanish. Somehow, they've managed to work, have their friends, their families, the things they do on a daily basis be in Spanish. Now, can you think what's going to be going on in their life if they're trying to learn, supposedly, if they're, they say they're trying to learn English, but all around them, their life is in Spanish? What do you think is going on? Do you think that their English is going to be growing? No. Their English skills won't be growing because they're more, they, they spend most of their time exposed to Spanish. Now think about your life for a minute. Do a little internal audit, if you will. Do a review of your day-to-day life, let's say over the past day or over the past week. How much would you say you did things in English versus how often you did things in your first language? Be honest with yourself. What do you notice? Do you notice that most of the time you interact with people in your first language? Or are you interacting most of the time in English? It's important to be aware of that because I think that that's the first place you need to look if you're wanting to prepare and prepare well for the CELPIP exam. You need to be in contact with English every single day. Speaking, listening, reading, and writing. And the more you're doing it, the better. Not little snippets, not little pockets, but trying to expose yourself to English as much of the day as you possibly can, that's what's going to help you make the most progress as you prepare for this important exam. If you ignore this step, if you ignore what I'm saying to you, and you continue on just doing your life inside of that bubble of your first language, I promise you, you're going to feel so frustrated because it's going to feel like no matter how hard you try, you're just not growing your skills enough. And you'll take the exam and you won't get the points that you're looking for. And that means you're going to end up being delayed in your immigration process. And I know you don't want that. It takes a long enough time as it is to get your immigration process in order. I know this from personal experience. My wife is from Mexico, and she has gone through that process of becoming a permanent resident and then a citizen. Finally, it happened this year. She became a Canadian citizen. So I know how long and challenging and frustrating the immigration process can be. You don't want to add to it by not attaining the scores that you need. 
You don't want to screw that up. And it's totally in your control, by the way. It is totally in your control to put yourself into more contact with English. You don't need to rely on an English class. You don't need to rely on an English teacher. You need to rely on yourself getting out of your way and putting yourself into contact with English on the things that you do every single day. If you live here in Canada, my friend, you are surrounded by English all the time. So you have opportunities to engage. And I know that there are things that hold you back. There's fear. There's self-doubt. Maybe you feel like you don't have enough English to be talking to somebody or you're scared of making a mistake. But my friend, those are all challenges that you need to push yourself through. And you need to be pushing yourself through it on a day-to-day basis. Those fears probably won't go away completely. But as you step into them, as you push into those opportunities, you'll begin to notice that those fears get quieter and your confidence will slowly get stronger. You will make mistakes, but that's okay. You need to tell yourself that mistake making means that you're growing your language skills. That's just how it works. If you're not making any mistakes, it's probably because you're not trying. And that's the truth. If you're making mistakes, if you have embarrassing moments when you're trying to use your English, that doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that you are trying and you are growing. And if you keep doing it, that's how your language skills get stronger. If you learn from the mistakes, you know, if you figure out, okay, I I made a mistake with this vocabulary word, maybe I mispronounced it. So I'm going to focus on really trying to understand how to pronounce it properly. And like that, you grow a new skill. You grow a new word. You learn a new word, rather. And that's how you develop your language skills. But it will only happen, my friend, if you begin to step into the language all around you and use it. Don't hide. That will only keep you being stuck and frustrated and not achieving the grade or the score that you're looking for. So the best way for you to prepare for the CELPIP exam is to engage in real-life English that is happening all around you, especially if you live in Canada already. The best way to get ready for this exam is to be using your English every single day as much as you possibly can. Because remember, the CELPIP exam measures your ability to use English in everyday situations, in everyday life. That's what it's going to be measuring. And those are the kinds of questions you will encounter on the test. So today we're going to focus on listening. The listening tasks are challenging because of a couple of factors. Number one, you will hear audio and you won't get a chance to replay it. So if you miss it, you kind of have to guess in your answer or try to remember as much as you can from what you heard, but you don't get a chance to repeat the question and you don't get a chance to repeat the audio section before the question happens. It's one time and that's it. So yeah, that's kind of tough, but there's good news. There are things that you can be doing 
to prepare yourself. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. So that's one of the challenges. The challenge of, I don't get a chance to repeat this. It's one time, and then I'm starting to answer questions. The next part that's challenging about the listening task is that very frequently, the audio is kind of long. Think like two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, no stopping. And you need to retain information that is being presented or talked about in that audio. So that means you also have to be good at taking notes. You can't rely on your memory. You can't rely on trying to remember what the people are saying. In the exam, you're going to be given note paper and a pen. And the purpose of it is so that you can take notes. The purpose of it is also so that you can brainstorm for the writing and for the speaking parts of the exam. But for the listening, that note paper is there for you to take down notes about what you are hearing. So that's another thing that is a bit of a challenge, because if you're not good at taking notes, well, the good news is you can learn. The bad news is if you don't take notes, you're going to find the listening task pretty challenging. So in listening task two, it's all about listening to a dialogue. So in the audio, there's going to be more than one person talking. In this audio that you're listening to right now, this podcast, you're only listening to one person. But when you're listening to multiple persons, which is what a dialogue is, things become a little bit more tricky. And the tricky part of that is that audio can be a bit long. Like I said, it could be two minutes, three minutes. It could be shorter than that. But the example questions that I've been exposed to have been kind of long. So it's important that one, you use your notepad, you use your notepaper. And one of the ways that you can use your notepaper, if you notice that you're going to be listening to an audio that has multiple people in it, is to really quickly in your notepad, draw, divide like maybe half the page into three or four, depending on how many people are going to be speaking, divide that page into those different sections. Like if there are three people in the conversation, divide half of your page into three sections. And then when the first person is talking, they'll probably tell you their names. Uh, in the examples that I've listened to, they, they share their names. So you could quickly jot down the person's name in each section. And then whenever that person is speaking, you can organize your notes according to what that person says by writing underneath their name in their little section of your paper. Did that make sense? So if there are three people speaking, divide your page into three sections. They'll probably tell you their person, the person's name. So quickly write down the person's name on the top of each section, or maybe the first letter of their name. So you remember it just so that it's not going to be confusing for you or difficult for you to organize what each person is saying. And then when they start speaking, put important details that you hear down under their name, whoever did or whoever said that part. Take note of it. Another way that you can take notes is try answering the five W's. I don't know if you remember studying this in school or if you did at all, but I remember taking a class all about newspapers. 
I think I was probably in grade three or four. It was like a little unit. We probably spent maybe a week or two on it. But we talked about the kinds of information that you can find in a newspaper and how newspaper articles are written. And very oddly enough, I don't know why I still remember this, but I guess it it left an impression on me. But I remember that newspaper writers or reporters, they will often try to answer five W's when they're writing their article. And those five W's are who, what, when, where, and why. And you can prove that by picking up a copy of your local newspaper and just reading one of the articles. You'll probably find the answers to each of those questions. Who, what, when, where, and why. That article will answer each one for you so that you can understand what happened in that event, in that story, like why the why the reporter decided to write that story. And they did it so that they could inform you by answering each of those five W questions. Answering those five W questions when you're listening, it can help you to get a good idea of the most important facts or the most important details of the audio. You might not get asked each of those questions, but it's a good way to practice. Even even in everyday conversations, or if you're watching a movie or a TV show or listening to the radio, if you want a good way to practice, one of the things that you can do to develop your listening skills is to take a piece of paper, a notepad, and as you're listening, be listening to try to answer those five W's. Who is this? Like if you're listening to the news, listen. Who is this this news report talking about? What happened? Why is this news? Why is this person being mentioned in the news today? What did they do? The next one, when? See if you can pick out when this story happened. Was it today? Was it this morning? Was it this afternoon? Was it overnight? Was it last week? Try to pick out the exact time the story took place. Be listening for where it happened. Most stories happen somewhere. I mean, all the stories that I know of, they happen somewhere. See if you can pick out when the person explaining what happened tells you where it happened. And then finally, why? Why is this happening? Were there reasons why the the main person being talked about did what they did? See if you can hear what is being shared about that news story and answer who, what, when, where, and why. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Speak English Fearlessly podcast. I hope you feel inspired to keep putting yourself out there to grow your English skills. My friend, no matter what, don't let fear or embarrassment hold you back from growing and developing your English skills. Remember, you can make embarrassment work for you and not against you. To find out how, just go to www.selfhipsuccess.com forward slash no shame to grab your free guide that will help you take control of embarrassment instead of it controlling you. That's 
www.sellpipsuccess.com forward slash no shame. A link will be in the show notes, just in case. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Bye.